Good morning, everyone. Yeah, okay. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> uh, two weeks ago, uh, uh, Lucas uh, shared quite a, a profound message on, on how we need to guard the unity between us as, uh, as believers. And uh, he gave some, some very important keys. If you haven't listened to it, please ask your comm leader to, uh, to send you the link and listen to that message because it was really, really profound, really important. Because the Lord Jesus wants us to live in unity together. And um, with that, Mervis also gave some very important keys on how to preserve that unity and how we, when we've gone wrong, what to do to make it right. You know, because the Bible is not silent on that. It doesn't say, hey guys, live in good relationships with one another. It also tells us how to do it. So um, it's interesting about, uh, uh, it's about one and a half week ago. I, I don't know if, if any of you uh, saw that, that interview or part of that interview that uh, um, uh, Oprah Winfrey did with uh, 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 Meghan Merkel and Prince William. No, be, be glad. Oh, Prince Harry, sorry, thank you. Be glad if you didn't see it. Because that was a classical example of how not to keep unity in your family. Actually, how to destroy unity in your family. And the way they did it is they had some grievances, and whether they were uh, right or wrong, I don't want to go into that. Uh, but they had some grievances, and what they did they hang out the dirty washing outside. They publicized it on the world stage in an interview. And the people they had grievances against weren't there to defend themselves. And what does the Bible say? It says, if, if, if you've got something wrong with your brother and sister, go, what? Privately. Go to them privately and, and make it right. That is a responsibility we have. And if it doesn't work, bring in someone else. Because the aim is to make relationships right, to keep them right. And we've got, each one of us has got that responsibility to keep it right. And as I was, because I was really shocked by that uh, interview, and as I was thinking about it, this phrase came to me again and again, and it is, what kind of people ought we to be? What kind of people ought you to be? There's lots of stuff going on in the world and, and we, we've been shaken and we're still being shaken by, by COVID. Interestingly, um, we, we've, we found out a few months ago I'm going to be a grandfather for the first time. Which is really exciting. I'm really excited about it. But I'm not excited about the timing. The reason why is we don't know. Our daughter is in England, and we don't know whether we can go and be with her. That's, that's something my wife and I are wrestling through. Uh, we've, we've looked on the Internet, and if we fly to England, we first need to do two weeks of quarantine, which is going to cost, uh, in a hotel, which is going to cost about mm, two and a half thousand pounds for both of us. That's not including the air tickets. But God... But God, and we, so we, we, we're all being shaken in different ways. You know, I've got three children. Sue and I have got three children. They're all in Europe. They're all in different countries. And even if we, we go to visit one and we want to visit any of the others, we would have to quarantine in between. 
So it is, in a way, it has quite shaken us. But even in this shaking, what type of people ought we to be? Do we complain? Do we argue? Do we get angry? Do we get frustrated? What, what kind of people ought we to be? And it's interesting, that phrase is actually in the Bible. <laughs> and I found it in chapter 2 uh, or chapter 3 of the second letter that Peter wrote to, um, to the churches. And, um, and he, he writes it actually in the context of, um, in this particular group of churches, uh, there were some false teachings, uh, false teachers that had come, and they said, you, you, know, you know what, God may have said that, he's gonna, that Jesus is going to come back. He may, he may have said it, but where is he? Why hasn't he come yet? And they, they actually said, from the beginning of the earth, nothing has ever changed and nothing will change. So forget about it. Jesus is not going to come back. And then, then Peter brings correction. And he said, you know, actually, everything hasn't gone the way it is going now. He said, actually, in the past, the world was shaken. Because the wickedness of man had increased to such an extent that God had to wipe the earth clean. And he did it with Noah's flood. You know, Noah's flood is not a fairy tale. Okay? Actually, in many books about fairy tales, you see a story of Noah's flood and Noah's ark is the size of a bathtub. Even if you go to a toy shop and say, I want to have a little Noah's ark for my kids. Okay, this big, a giraffe sticking out this way, a monkey hanging out that way. But Noah's ark was massive. It is not a fairy tale. And, and now Jesus actually said that, that before he comes back, the situation in the world will be as desperate as it was in the time of Noah. And that as the Lord cleansed the world then with water, he will do it again with fire. And that's exactly what Peter highlights in chapter 3. And he, he, he says, again, the Lord is coming back. And there's going to be an even greater shaking than what we have experienced so far. Now, if you look at the statistics, um, I, I, I think it's, it's about 2.5 million people worldwide who have died of covid Okay, I don't want to scare you, but the Bible says that plagues are going to come that are going to wipe out 2 billion people off the face of the earth. What type of people ought we to be? Not just in what COVID situation has brought us, but what is still coming? What type of people ought we to be? And it is not individually, but as a people. What type of people ought we to be? When we've got problems in our relationships, what ought we to do? What type of people ought we to be? Because problems in relationships can really shake you. Your marriages can be shaken. What ought you to be? It is very interesting. During this COVID time when there has been lockdown, there were many marriages that were restored. And many marriages that were broken beyond repair. And restored, why? why? Because people were locked in the same house. They couldn't go outside, not even to walk their dog in some places. 
They were cooped up weeks on end. Well, what do you do? Well, you either forgive the, the word I'm used. You're either going to continue to live in a hell together or you're going to work at solving your problems. And thankfully, that has happened for many marriages. But also marriages have broken beyond repair, humanly speaking. Shaking does that to us. It shows what is in us. And it comes up. Shaking reveals what's in our hearts. And what are we going to do with it? So, Peter says to, to the believers, there's more shaking going to come. And in the midst of that, what type of people ought you to be? And again, now the, the English language is an interesting language because when it says you, you can think it is singular or plural because you can use it in both cases. But here, it, it talks about what type of people ought you, plural, to be. What type of people ought we to be together? That is... It's, it's, it's interesting. I'm just going to pick out some, some scriptures here. Um, at one hand, we want Jesus to come back. Am I right? Am I right? Do we want Jesus to come back? But do you know what happens when he comes back? It's the lost cannot be saved any longer. The time of grace, the period of God's undeserved favor and his rescue plan will have come to an end. This is the time of God's favor on the earth. Even though the wickedness is increasing, even though the shaking is increasing and is going to increase, the shaking is going to come not just in the area of viruses and sicknesses, the shaking is going to come in the financial markets around the world. Wherever you put your hope in and your trust in, and we talked about idols this morning, financial security is an idol. Yes, we all need finances to live, but we mustn't put our trust in it. Our trust must be in the Lord Jesus. What happens if it is all wiped out? Are you wiped out with it? Is your faith wiped out with it? Or do you grow stronger in your trust that the Lord is who he says he is and that he will look after you right through the hardships? And, and it, it says here in verse Verse 8, so even though judgment is going to come on the earth before Jesus comes back, or when Jesus comes back, judgment is going to come. It's, it's going to happen as surely as the flood came, as surely judgment is going to come on the earth. And, and uh, Peter says in, in verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the, the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord's timing is different than ours. He's got a different perspective of time. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some of you understand slowness. He's patient with you. Why? Because he does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He is patient with the believers. Why is that? Why is he patient with us? we're going to, to find out because it's, a, it's an important piece, a, a key in this passage. He's patient with us believers because, and this is the heart of God, he does not want anyone to perish, but everyone 
to come to repentance, to repent, to turn away from their sinfulness and to turn to Him. That is the heart of the Lord Jesus. And since, and he goes on in verse 10 to talk about the day of the Lord and how everything will be stripped bare. Everything will be, will be burned up in order to give something, rise to something new. A world where everything is right. Where righteousness will dwell. Right relationships with God and with one another. Where God sees us as right in Him. But let's go to verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? It's the same question again. Well, it says here you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. We ought to live holy and godly lives. What does that mean? To live in relationships with one another that are right, that are morally pure. We're living in a world where the filth of immorality and impurity is increasing every day. Somebody once told me that the reason why we have the internet is because pornography powers it. Can you imagine? Pornography powers the internet. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of new sites of pornography downloaded on the internet every day. What kind of people ought we to be? We ought to live, and that means continually live lives dedicated to the Lord Jesus, dedicated to our Father God, and dedicated to live right with one another. Godly lives. Lives that show God, that reveal who God is. And then it says, as you look forward to the day of the Lord, we don't look backwards. We look forward with an expectation. He is coming back. He is coming back for his bride. He is coming back for us. And then it says here this interesting phrase, as you speed, it's coming. We can speed the return of the Lord. And how do we do that? Well, obviously by living in right relationships with one another. If we really love one another, the world will know that we belong to Him, that we are truly His followers. It's a powerful tool in evangelism. We speed the coming, the return of the Lord, when we reach out to the lost with this knowledge that the Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He wants to work through you and me. If we have broken relationships with one another, we hinder the return of the Lord. That's how serious it is. I can see all your faces. I can't see your hearts. But nothing is hidden from the Lord. I really want to challenge you today. If there is something that you need to put right with someone else, a comment that has been made that you have picked up and you, you felt rejected, you felt hurt, you felt misunderstood. Make it your aim to put it right. Make it your aim to put it right and don't put it off. 
do it quickly. There's one of the verses that, that Lucas read two weeks ago. It's when, when you're on your way, it is in the Bible, when you're on, way, on your way to sacrifice to the Lord on the altar. It's obviously in the, in the context of the temple still being in Jerusalem and being the house of worship. But I can change it by saying, when you're on your way to worship God, and you remember that somebody has got something against you, fix it first. Before you go to worship. You know that actually fixing a relationship is an act of worship. God is well pleased with it. And he's right there with you all along. Then in, in verse 14. So then dear friends. Since you're looking forward to the return of the Lord. Make every effort. You see and that's part of it. Make every effort not some efforts but every effort to do what to be found spotless blameless and at peace with him spotless blameless and in peace with him spotless it means nice and clean no dirt on me eh? good washing machine good soap powder, but the blood of Jesus washes us clean, spotless, whiter than snow. Make sure that as a people, not just individuals, but as the family of believers together, that we are found spotless. No, nothing, not, no dirt on you. The enemy can find no dirt on you. Spotless, blameless. The enemy cannot blame you. And at peace with God. Well, to be at peace with God means you need to be at peace with one another. If you're not at peace with one another, you cannot be at peace with God. So as you look forward, so you cannot, you can say, oh, I've got peace with God. But actually, it's just a saying. If you're not at peace with one another, you cannot be at peace with God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He will help you establish peace in your relationship. And peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of Jesus in your relationships. That's peace. How are we doing? What kind of people are we? What kind of people, we've just read, what kind of people you ought to be? What kind of people are we? If the Lord would do an appraisal on each one of us, will we stand the test of living at peace with one another? Or not? There is time. There is time. Don't waste this time that the Lord has given us. We've seen that the Holy Spirit has really been moving in our meetings. But I'm sensing, he's saying, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm just giving you a foretaste of my presence. But there's so much more that I want to give. Don't hold me back. I cannot give as much of myself. I cannot reveal as much of the glory of Jesus as I want to reveal. But you're holding me back. Because you're not willing to be the people you ought to be. Each one of us individually has got a contribution to make to the health 
of our relationships. We can't say, I'm just waiting for Declan to start. I'm waiting for Lucas to start. I'm waiting for my wife to start. I'm waiting for my husband to start. What about you? You take the first step. You start. You know where you are wrong. You know what you've allowed to seep into your lives, into your relationships, into your marriages. Into, and it's not just relationships here in this church, into your workplace. Into your circle of friends, into your wider family. What have you allowed to seep in that distracts you from your true calling? To live at peace with one another. We cannot have peace with God for not at peace with one another. Verse 15, bear in mind that our Lord's patience, you see, he's still patient. He's still patient. He's still waiting. His patience means salvation. He's waiting because he wants to see more and more and more people saved. But what is his vehicle through whom he communicates his message? It's you and me. And us as a family. If we truly love one another. As Jesus loves us. The world will know that we truly belong to him. We're truly his followers. He longs, he longs to reveal himself and more and more of himself. Not just with us here on a Sunday morning, but through us in the world. He longs, he longs, it's his heart's desire. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but all to come to salvation, to come to repentance of their sins. And he's chosen us. He's chosen us. I I really sense today It starts with putting our house in order. Your relationships, put them in order. If you need help, go to your comm leader. Speak to one of the elders. If you're stuck in a relationship and it's 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 not getting you're not getting through, pull in someone else to help you. Because it's worth so much. It is worth so much. It's worth everything because it brings great glory and honor and praise to the name of Jesus. You see, we can say we love him, but if you don't love your brother or your sister, your words are meaningless. What kind of people ought we to be? Spotless, blameless, and at peace with one another, and as a result, with him. really sense the Lord is putting a challenge before us. He wants to do so much more. And I believe over the last two months, he's given us a taste of what he wants to do. A taste. My wife, three days ago, cooked a fantastic curry. It was absolutely fantastic. And even now, when I walk into our home and I open the door, I smell that curry. If you come to my home now, you'll smell that curry. It's gone. It's been eaten. But you can get a taste. It's there. It's hanging in the air. But 
the substance is not there yet because it was eaten. But it could be there again. And that is what the Lord, the Lord has given us a taste of his fragrance, the fragrance of his Holy Spirit. But he wants to fill us with the substance, almost tangible substance of the presence of the Lord in our midst. That's what he wants to give us. And we can say, Lord, I want it, I want it. And the Lord says, let me tell you what type of people you ought to be. Spotless, blameless, and at peace with one another and with him. Let's make every effort. I really want to challenge you. Start now. Start today. Pick up the phone. Make that appointment and say, you know, I'm really sorry. My relationship with you is worth more than anything else. I'm really sorry. Go to the Lord to say, Lord, forgive my pride for, for holding on to this offense. Forgive my pride, Lord. And help me put it right. Bright without spot and wrinkle. We're all very quiet because I think it's resonating with all of us. All of us have got something somewhere and the Holy Spirit is quick to bring it to mind. And it might be that thing that happened 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday. The Lord is quick to bring it to mind. Why? Because he wants to help you restore it. You don't have to do it on your own. He wants to help you restore it. And as I said, draw in someone else if you need help. It's worth everything. Let's stand up together. And just you and the Lord. Just close your eyes. Just you and the Lord. Tell him that you're going to make every effort. Tell him. You and the Lord. Tell him, Lord, I'm going to make every effort. Even if it costs me my pride, let it be. Let it cost me my pride. Whatever it costs, Lord, I make every effort because I want to honor you in this relationship. Whether it is with your mom or dad, whether it's with your brother or sister, whether it's with a fellow church member, whether it's with your wife or husband, whether it's your, with your boss or your colleague or a fellow student, don't worry about the response they will give you. The Lord will deal with the response. But to, today, he wants to deal with your heart. Just you and him. Tell him. Lord Jesus, you've, you've heard what each one of us has said. I'm really sensing that the Lord is saying, 
what you have just said is also an act of worship. It's a fragrant aroma that rises up to the throne of God. But let us be people of action and not just of words. If there's anyone here among us who has never surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, and and maybe you've been shocked a little bit by what we've talked about today, but by the shaking that is going to come and and Jesus coming back and, and the judgments that are going to come on the earth and you're thinking, eee, if you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and never accepted his gift of forgiveness, it's not God's desire to judge the wicked. It is that they come to an understanding of what it, that they need to be saved from the consequences of their sins. He doesn't want you to perish in your sins, but he wants you to repent, to turn away from it, if that is you. If that is you, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you're here and you want to put your relationship with your heavenly Father right, if that is you, raise your hand. Well, this would mean that all of us have got a right relationship with the Father. That all of us have been forgiven been saved by the work of Jesus. If you didn't want to raise your hand, but you, you know the Lord is still pulling you, come and speak to, to one of us at the front. The Lord is here. He's reaching out to all of us. As you go from here, go, go with that thought. Lord, what type of person do I ought to be? Would you want me to be in every relationship? And you know the answer is actually very simple. Be Jesus. Be the person Jesus wants you to be. Let him flow through you. Let his Holy Spirit flow through you. He lives within you. Be Jesus to the people around you. Amen.